Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Sports Unity Podcast. Season 2 is off to a good start. We are in episode 2 and we are trying something new. We are going to try and have a guest on each episode for the entirety of it. Uh, and this week we have everyone's favorite uh, hockey guru, Alvaro, uh, coming back. Welcome to season 2. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Uh, if I'm not your favorite or everyone's favorite hockey guy, I should at least be everyone's favorite Leaf guy. Cause, uh, for a Leafs fan, I'm not that bad. <laughs> uh, he does have a point there. <laughs> uh, you uh, helped us close out season one with the World Juniors. Uh, let's uh, give yeah. us your take on uh, how that tournament went. It's over just like that. Uh, surprises, any takeaways? I mean, surprises in the sense that this was supposed to be one of Canada's best uh, teams ever, and it probably was um, until they faced uh, a rival that was equivalent to them. Um, but what did I say about the the top four? The top four teams, they're just so clutch. I, I mean, it is like a top five. Um, I, I would definitely consider uh, Finland running with the big boys now. Uh, it's pretty obvious they they were devastated, but they uh, they played really well throughout the entire tournament. Um, and Russia not really showing up at the end, eh? That that's that's so kind of Russia. It's so crazy. They just they fell apart. Unlike the Finnish, uh, who had to battle back so many times in that semifinal yeah. game, just the heartbreak. With just over a minute left, it was just, it was, you felt really bad for those kids. Um, my biggest yeah. takeaway was uh, how well Germany performed. Right. Without Stutzler. Stutzler? What's the, how do we pronounce it? Stutzel. Stutzel. Okay. So it's about, it sounds very dessert like. Yes. Uh, but yeah, without their, without their best player, uh, let's not sugarcoat it. Um, it, it was, they, they have such a great team dynamic. They're so fun to watch. I don't know any of the players. Uh, I mean, I could probably recognize a couple of names if they were in front of me, but uh, it's just a really fun team to watch every single time. Very similar to how Switzerland uh, was a stunner early on. Or not early on, but like in, in the... Uh, Tournaments, I guess, passed before the 2000s, early 2000s. They, they weren't really much, right? But um, similar with the Danes, they're so fun to watch. And I, a lot of it is what I was saying is that these teams, because they're from smaller markets, smaller countries, uh, less population playing, you, you get to know the guys so much better, right? It's like the difference between uh, junior hockey in, like, in a town like Ottawa versus a town like Toronto. Um it just it makes a difference uh, how many how how much you get to know your competitors because you know their strengths you know their weaknesses you know their game you, you witness it every year and, and you can just come together like that uh, those teams I can't wait for them to get as good as like as like you know nipping at uh, the Czech Republic or nipping at Slovakia or, or not Slovenia, but you know, like <laughs> coming up to that, those, that, that top like 10 tier countries uh, for hockey. Um, 
it's really it's really great just seeing the spread of hockey right like switzerland is such a a big market for hockey and that wasn't the case in the early 90s or 2000s no and we will see the exact same teams uh in the uh next year's turn i guess this year's tournament uh as there's no relegation uh just a mix up of the groups essentially uh so uh hopefully team austria can pull it together uh if not i could see them being the the team to go down uh team germany might regress depending on how many of those make their nhl clubs um but uh yes and whoever their next huge stud is right like exactly yeah who's coming up the pipe who just didn't make it there's yeah there's a kid uh on team austria who's 16 who uh they interviewed him and uh they asked him what's tougher you know playing in a game or writing your exams he was like well you know, I had to write three exams while I was here, but now we're on break so I can enjoy this. Like a 16 year old just having to take exams in a bubble while representing your country. I, I think he has big things. Yeah. He's going to be at this tournament at least two more years. Oh, yeah. I mean, 16 and he's already getting that kind of experience. That's that's amazing. Literally, we were thinking back just a little while ago to when we were you know, 14, 15, 16 in that age group for me, that age to have any sort of level of maturity to be able to pull that kind of thing off doing exams and, and playing at a basically professional elite level of the sport uh, for your age group. Um, that's, that's just, these are the types of guys that end up being good pros, you know, mm-hmm. like what Mike Babcock would say, he's a good pro. Well, and we'll save the hockey talk for later, but uh, my ba- yeah. Mike Backtalk has a new job. Yeah, he does. And uh, that's so going to hopefully he has no intern <laughs> to berate. Uh, but we're going to get into the other news stories that happened uh, just over the last weekend. Of course, uh, yeah. Super Wild Card Weekend. Uh, everyone's been talking about it. Six NFL games. Uh, distracting many from what was happening uh, elsewhere around the world. Uh, what was which, happening? Who knows? Who knows? You know, everyone was distracted. It's yeah. Everyone was staying home and the world away from everyone. It's saving the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good but, people. Uh, we know you're not the biggest uh, football fan, uh, but no. uh, do you have any takeaways from uh, this past uh, Super Wild Card weekend? uh nothing specific uh other than i'm glad that the browns are doing well uh uh, this is really the only team that i could even scoff at by saying that i would follow in the slightest it's bare minimum like scratching surface level i'm just it's crazy to see them in the playoffs because i know something about their playoff record uh, they're essentially the Maple Leafs of the NFL, or really, if you're looking at it logically, the Maple Leafs are the Browns of the NHL. Um, for them to actually be in the playoffs, surprising. Uh, it sounds similar. They haven't won a round since early 2000. That, check, similar. Uh, so I feel for Browns fans. I know a couple, uh, and I know that they're excited about the, the playoffs this year. So that's, so that's cool. Uh, as far as results, I have no idea. 
I'm just I don't follow the sport all that much. But go Browns. Go Browns indeed. Yes, they haven't made the playoffs since 2002, haven't won a playoff game since 1994 when oh uh, you know we were watching The Lion King and uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, That's insane. I didn't know that. That's crazy. The Bills also uh, their first playoff win since 1995. So you have two teams breaking a very long, actually, I believe they were two out of the four longest playoff droughts, at least in the NFL. Uh, And I know they were pretty high up there for North American sports in general. Yeah. Uh, yeah. the, when you talk that's about crazy. that, that's uh, those fans have gone through a lot. Yeah, I remember um, watching one of the OJ documentaries and hearing um, just how bad they've been since, basically since he left. Um, it's pretty like they're not just their luck, but like their, you know, Super Bowl record. Oh my God, it's. I have nothing uh, but uh, remorse for their fans. Well, Bill's Mafia has been celebrating nonstop. Any table is not safe if you're in the upper New York State area. Uh, Also, uh, winners were L.A. over Seattle. uh, was a little bit of an upset. upset. Uh, The Saints over the Chicago Bears, which was a real snoozer of a game, minus the fact that they also broadcast that game on Nickelodeon. Uh, trying to appease to a younger audience. So they had explaining what was happening and they had fun graphics. If you're watching it on Nickelodeon, like whenever a touchdown was scored, they had slime cannons appear to be sliming the players. Maybe I should be watching that. I should be watching that broadcast. You you would have learned a lot. They had anytime a field goal was attempted, SpongeBob appeared in between the field goal posts. It was, uh, how can you not love that? It was a very unique experience, and they have a highlight reel if you want to go check that out on YouTube uh, about all the the fun infographs and things that happened if you were watching on Nickelodeon. That's crazy. Awesome. Uh, But uh, we have more playoffs coming up this uh, weekend. Uh, We know Alvaro's pick will be the Browns uh, as a major upset. Uh, so if you have a, a dollar or two, throw that on there because uh, if it hits, you're uh, you're set for a little bit. Nice, we do that. Now uh, the NBA is looking like it's in a little bit of a trouble, uh, and uh, a renewed call maybe of having another bubble at least for a month or so. Um, the 76ers uh, came out with eight guys on the floor uh, in one of their past games which doesn't put the best product for viewers on TV. It's not fair to the players, to the other team that they're playing. Um, Could we see this coming uh, with travel and a non-bubble type scenario? I think it's just inevitable, right? Um, People, anytime you have a a big... um, sample size of people uh you're gonna have outliers that even if they're being careful they're just gonna have more uh likelihood of exposing themselves uh obviously in in the united states it's a it's a situation that's very different from what we have in canada um where it's it basically hasn't really 
been in the same kind of lockdowns as we've been. So it's just easier to get exposed. Um, their, their rate of, of, you know, contagion, I guess, is a lot, uh, a lot more dangerous here than here. So it was kind of just a matter of when, not so much if. I mean, hopefully it doesn't have to happen, but that's what it seems like it's going to happen. Do you think it's almost too little too late to move everyone into a bubble? Like that's a lot of logistics and then uh, yeah. setting it up. It took them a little bit to get it all ironed out before. Um, but do you see them doing this maybe for the playoffs so you don't have an interruption? I think that's probably their their best option right now because like either that or they would have to put a pretty significant pause on the season. Um, which I'm pretty sure no league wants to do at any point. Uh, we already did that last year, and it was obviously way more abrupt in that sense because we knew uh, nothing like Jon Snow. Um, and then, boom, out of nowhere came this pandemic. Uh, so <laughs> I think um, at least there's time enough ahead to plan for a playoff bubble. And if the NHL is listening, they should really pay attention to what the NBA is doing. Because it is going to be a matter of uh, when and not so much if. That's part of having travel. That's part of just greater exposure. And I get it for the players too. You don't you don't want to have to, you know, basically quarantine in a in a hotel for in the same hotel in the same room. Hotel rooms aren't like home at all, right? For over what like six months? No one wants to do that. And for the players that don't even make the playoffs, imagine having to do that for an entire season and not even getting to make the playoffs. Like, no one wants to do that in, in any sport. So I get it, but if it's playoffs and where that's where it matters, they really don't want to have to have, you know, constantly postpone games, um, postpone practice, all of that kind of stuff. It just has a huge impact on, on the, uh, the level of play. And this next story kind of plays into that is uh, with the Olympics coming uh, up very, very shortly uh, and we keep flip-flopping on where we stand, uh, different areas, of course, of the world uh, are doing different things and uh, working. some are working out better than others. But uh, Japan has just gone back into a lockdown as uh, rates have spiked. Uh, which has led to, to uh, the call by some Olympic athletes uh, that they should be uh, given higher priority to get a vaccine so that the Olympics can take place and that it can happen as safe as possible. Uh, now, we haven't really seen this talk for athletes here in North America, uh, but I'm sure there are some people out there who have said it on the internet that athletes should move up the line to get those vaccines because they provide a service, they're entertaining, uh, they're bringing joy to people as areas are in lockdown. Uh, do you think it's right that athletes kind of quote unquote jump the line? I don't know if it's, if it's right. Um, I think it more so depends on like the impact that it would have. If all of a sudden, if we say like athletes can do it, then where do you draw that line of like entertainers, like you mentioned, 
like does that is that going to go into you know uh, an industry like hollywood uh where they've kind of kept going and i think it'll kind of depend country to country too right because if you're jumping the line and you're getting it through uh like a hand not like a handout but like the government is providing it to you instead of it being like you're a private institution the same way that you can get your own tests is mm. it even possible for you to purchase your own are you procuring your own way or are you depending on the government to do it uh, if you're depending on the government to do it then you should go in line with everyone else as far as they deem like who's essential like you know uh, uh, workers on the front lines uh, those are obviously the more essential ones uh, but I think it'll for me at least it depends on like the the source of the actual vaccines and how it's procured Um I don't want them to getting in the way of the regular citizens not being able to get them in time. Um, like I, I'm okay to wait for an athlete, but not everyone's going to have that, that opinion. Right. Mm -hmm. um, especially if it blows into like, Oh, well, you know, actors want to do that too, or, or stage actors or anyone that works in close proximity with uh, other people. And they're actually, that's part of their job. Right. Um, I still would like to see the Olympics uh, actually happen uh, successfully. Um, and that's, that's probably out of all the sports, the most uh, like challenging, right? Cause you're dealing with a number of different countries. If we look at leagues here in North America, they deal with two countries and most leagues deal really with a country and a city. Um, so is, is there any comparable? No. Like we'll be dealing with athletes from all across the world that have dealt with or have experienced or been exposed to the virus to, to various degrees. And what are you going to do? Obviously make them quarantine, but then you have some sort of control in a bubble situation. It would have to be right. So if they're vaccinated or not, I think it still happen. I think the fairest way to do this is the IOC secures their own supply of vaccines. The IOC has, so. you know, they're just like FIFA and all that. They, they have lots of money. Uh, they, they have ways of procuring because not, like you said, not every country is on the same like track, like Canada, the U S yeah. the UK. There are some countries who have already purchased vaccines are already vaccinating people. And there are countries who have yet to see a vaccine arrive. So they're going to potentially be athletes who are ahead of uh, other athletes from other countries uh, because the governments can't afford it, uh, didn't act quick enough, didn't, aren't, don't really have regulations compared to going on. So it's, it's a whole complex. Like you said, I would love to see the Olympics and the closer we get you know, we're, we're in 2021, people are starting to be vaccinated. We're slowly getting back to, you know, say 2019, but it's not going to happen just like that. Like a lot of people want it. So I think yeah, you can't will that into, into no. reality. You can't just hope for the best. You know, we, a lot of places tried hoping for the best and uh, look where it's getting us. Um, a lot so this of this is a matter of at least another probably year realistically like more than that probably. 
Well, depending on who you ask, uh, you depending on where summer. you are in the world, yeah, where you are too. You kind of hear summer, you kind of hear fall. To being able to go watch a live sporting event or uh, less restrictions on doing things with mm-hmm. your friends. So when you hear that, you kind of get encouraged. And if people start to listen and we get kind of back on track, lowering numbers and doing social distancing, wearing masks, uh, you know, it could be a grand celebration in the summer. You have the Euros uh, for all those soccer nuts happening in June, back to back with the Olympics uh, in July, late end of late July into August. Wouldn't that be like a grand celebration? Like, you know, kind of, we did it like, look, we have these two grand events that people look forward to every four years. Like, you know, we're, we're getting back to normal. Here is your prize, if you will. Uh, But we won't get there if we don't act now. Yeah. Yeah. If we can be motivated by the carrot uh, that, and, and actually, you know, play by the rules. Um, that'd be nice. So we can all kind of benefit from each other's efforts instead of only some of us holding it down. Well, that's enough doom and gloom for now. So we're going to head yeah. to uh, our, our uplifting segment, uh, news that will <laughs> unite us all. We have a lovely story coming out of uh, your adopted team, the Cleveland Browns. Go Browns. Uh, <laughs> This seems to be the year of the Browns uh, and a story featuring Tom Seipel, uh, who uh, is a pastor and unfortunately is in hospice, hospice care, is a massive Browns fan. And a few weeks ago in December, uh, not knowing his health uh, and because he was in hospice care, he made a video and he sent it to the Browns subreddit. Uh, on Reddit, if you're not, if you don't know what Reddit is, look it up. It's uh, that's the rest Seriously. of your week. So, it's the front page of the internet. It it really is. Uh, and he essentially kind of poured out, uh, you know, his love for the team, thanking everyone uh, for being such great fans, uh, for being a part of a, a great family, uh, and you know, hopefully, can win the Super Bowl. Uh, and it's it caught the eye of someone very specific uh, who runs a, a, a podcast for uh, the Browns, the dog dogs of war podcast uh, and got in touch with uh, Baker Mayfield's wife, Emily Mayfield. Now, if you don't know, Baker Mayfield is the quarterback for the Browns. So first off, they sent him a message, uh, an encouraging message. Just keep fighting. Uh, we're cheering for you, even though we're in the midst of a playoff race. Uh, we are thinking of you, uh, which, you know, on its own is an honorable thing to do. It's giving back to your fans. But it continued from there. Uh, the podcast started a GoFundMe page to raise money so that Tom could go see the final regular season game and see them clinch a playoff spot. And they blew past that. So Tom and his father got to go uh, in a box. Now Cleveland is one of those places where you can go watch a live football game with uh, 15 or 20% capacity. So there were fans in the stands. 
and Few and far between. Yeah. Uh, so, but he got the special treatment. He got to be up in a box. He got to watch the game with uh, Emily and uh, the podcasters. He got a new jersey, uh, and it was they won the game. So it was uh, just a wonderful experience. Uh, right before the game, he got a text message from Baker Mayfield, uh, essentially, you know, 15 minutes before the game, uh, which is crazy to think that uh, someone would be in the you know, mindset to think of sending a text message before the biggest game of your career. And then uh, they watched the game. Uh, it, you could see in the video uh, that they kind of a compilation of the day. It just gave a renewed sense of energy. Uh, and that's for someone who is suffering so much uh, from a hard cancer diagnosis to renew the energy. Uh, just that's all you can hope for at this point. And uh I hope for Tom and all the Browns fans that this ride continues as long as it can. Uh, and, uh, you know, we hope that Tom gets to watch as much football as possible. Uh, and uh, just a great story to come out of uh, the past, the end of 2020, if you will, uh, a nice way to end it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a definitely a feel good story. Uh franchise that could uh definitely use some of that and definitely sounds like this fan um it, it's it goes both ways right and he's probably super psyched at uh this upcoming game this weekend it's definitely going to be a party uh speaking of olympics we're going to continue our olympic uh breakdown of each event uh, which is essentially why we're doing this, uh, not only to have another segment, but a lot of people don't watch every single event because who, who has the time for that? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's so much to do these days too, right? Uh, so we're getting you geared up. Maybe you can find an event or two that you didn't watch or know about before. And these explanations you can watch and kind of give a better understanding and a more of appreciation but this one is the big one uh getting out of the way of course it's alphabetical so it kind of does us a favor that it's out of the way pretty quick but athletics i'm sure if you've never seen uh or uh, an olympics before you know athletics is what you think of when you think of summer olympics um Alvaro, what are your favorite athletics? Is it the sprinting? Is it the throwing events? Is it the race walking? Because everyone loves that. Race walking, I mean, that's basically um, the event to watch every single year at the mall uh, with the seniors. <laughs> uh, they love doing that shit. Uh, no, but um, the definitely the, the sprints, the, the 100 and the 200. Um, I can't say that I follow religiously definitely don't but uh being in canada definitely grew up uh you know kind of idolizing and, and really uh admiring donovan bailey uh as just such a great athlete athlete uh, as well as uh more recently i guess uh, usain bolt both jamaican canadians um both awesome in their own way uh but i i couldn't tell you 
to anyone that has qualified for uh, any of the events this year. Well, don't worry. That is why we have this segment. So um, there's really no way to go into the history because uh, some of these athletic events have been around even in ancient Greek uh, Olympics and they've been part they of used to the, do them in the nude. They did. I'd, I'd watch that. It must have shaved off at least <laughs> half a second. So uh, <laughs> Exactly. Aerodynamic. Uh, but they've been around since the reincarnation, uh, 1896. Uh, so the different events have come and gone. But uh, right now there are 26 different uh, events uh, split between the two genders, giving us 48 uh, in total. Uh, plus, there's one additional new event this year, which is a mixed 4x400 relay, which should be pretty fun. Uh, and uh, these happen pretty quickly. We tend to think that athletics happens over a long period of time at the Olympics, which essentially it takes up at least half the time because there are so many events. But they take place uh, as long as the schedule doesn't change, July 30th to August the 8th, uh, and different events take place with uh, kind of qualifiers and then semifinals. And they don't make you run the 100 uh, four times in a day. That would be kind of cruel. Uh, yeah, that would be uh, a marathon. That's <laughs> not cool, basically. But for the events, uh, you have uh, on the uh, track, anyways, you have the 100, 200, and 400. Those are considered the sprints. 800 meters, also people call a sprint. Uh, let me tell you, as a ex-track athlete, uh, over anything over, I guess, 400, uh, you're laughing if you're going to call that a sprint. And in, in my books, my body would uh, not agree with that. <laughs> But you get the longer distances, uh, 1,500, 5,000, 10,000. Uh, that's a heck of a feat. That's uh, a sprint still? How is that a sprint? <laughs> to, to some athletes, I'm sure they consider that a sprint. <laughs> uh, you get 100, 110, and 400-meter hurdle races. Uh, why... The difference, uh, the women race the 100 hurdles, the men 110. I never oh, got I was wondering. I was like, is that two different tiers for both? I don't That's still get a little it. weird. It's, it's always been weird to me, but uh, everyone races 400 hurdles the same, so I don't know what those 10 extra meters in the sprints do, but... <laughs> you get everyone... It's like, it's like cool down. <laughs> you have to set your parachute. <laughs> You get everyone's favorite 3,000 meter steeplechase, the one with the water pit as a hazard that you have to jump over. They, they definitely, you know, it's not just water. There's something else in there. There's something. They, uh, they don't want you to land there. So they, they, it, it's, that's rank water. It's something else in there. <laughs> Uh, and then you get the uh, four by one and four by four relays, which uh, Donovan Bailey and Team Canada captured gold uh, in uh, 1996 in Atlanta. Uh, and uh, that's it for the, well, and then you have the marathon uh, and the 20K and 50K race walk. Race walk. 50 kilometers. That's a lot of mall. Okay. That's a lot of mall walking. Yeah, yeah. You need to get those nice, like, 
thick, basically platform shoes that are comfy like a cloud. Mm. It's all, it's all about the footwear and the socks. Mm. Uh, in the in the field events, you have the long, triple, and high jumps, uh, plus the pole vault, uh, everyone's favorite. Uh, if you get to watch that on uh, bloopers, it's uh, very painful. Uh, for oh, yeah. F- oh, everyone, everyone's seen one of those videos. Usually they're not uh, the pros like these guys. No. Usually they're the ones that no. people watch the most because they're the funniest. <laughs> uh, for the throwing events, you have shot put, discus, javelin, and hammer throw. Uh, and if you like doing a whole whack of those different events together, you could do either the heptathlon or the decathlon, which is a mix of both events. Uh, the women participate in the heptathlon while the men uh, participate in the decathlon. Again, I think we're getting to the point now where it should just be both competing in decathlons. Why there still is this discrepancy might be just... It's always been that way and hasn't shifted, but I could see that shifting uh, in the years to come. Yeah, I could definitely see an old institution like the IOC uh, staying true to their tradition because that's how it's always been done and that's how we're going to do it, even though we've changed a whole number of things along the way. Now, to go into how to qualify would just take its own episode on its own. I won't go into that. If you are really interested, uh, shoot us a message on our social media platforms, Sports Night Podcast on Instagram or Facebook, or email us at sportsnightpodcast at gmail.com. I will gladly write you a thesis statement on how to uh, qualify because uh, it's kind of straightforward. It's just a lot because there are so many different events. So, for example, uh, in the men's uh, 100 meter to even be considered a possible athlete, you have to get the entry mark of 10 seconds uh, and zero five. That is the Olympic qualifying standard time for the men's 100 meter. So if you do not meet that at a official event, you can't just do it at a backyard or, you know, your local track. Uh, If you get that posted time officially, then uh, you have met that standard and uh, then it's just getting into your specific event for the 50 meter race walk. uh, You have to post a time of three hours and 50 minutes or less. Wow. I wouldn't do that. No, for shot put, you have to, for, <laughs> these are all for men, uh, but for shot put, you have to uh, meet a standard of 21.1 uh, meters. Uh, for the women, you have to meet a standard of 18.5. Uh, those both beat uh, what I was able to throw in high school. So clearly I was not up to Olympic standards. Well, there's always next year, um, except for it's every four years and you're well too old for that but curious for you a uh, question how heavy is that uh put that is being shotted uh, how heavy is the ball ah great question so um let me look if it's different for 
it might be yeah they might have different like this is like the olympic standard or yeah so i remember uh in grade nine and ten you used an eight pound shot and then when you were in grade 11 and 12 uh you graduated to the uh i believe 12 pound shots 12 or 16 but if i'm remembering correctly uh they use i believe a 16 pound shot put for anything 16 okay yeah that's that's pretty um like like put that into context it's like throwing an eight kilogram kettlebell yes but only with like the palm of your hand in one one big thrust right but one big that's thrust, heavy yeah. that's that's quite heavy like, so yeah so it is 16 pounds uh that's what uh they use kind of in the iaaf and olympics uh so okay. we probably used a 12 pound shot in in the upper years of high school uh but yeah it's 7.26 kgs uh yeah. you can you have a circle you can some spin some just kind of do a, sh- a back shuffle and then twist and explode uh and you have to throw it at least 21.1 meters to even get the qualifying standard that doesn't mean you qualify that just means that's oh uh, yeah yeah that just means you're invited to try yeah like you have met the bare minimum yeah (laughs) wow uh but uh some countries have uh, allotted the spots actually most of the spots have been allotted um a lot of countries that you hear of in athletics is usually uh usa because they have usually the most amount of athletes uh jamaica because they've been very crazy uh at the sprints and then you get the uh african countries like uh, ethiopia uh ghana uh, Ivory Coast, Kenya, Nigeria for all those distance runs. Uh, but yeah. in total, uh, USA is sending the most or has the most spots, I should say, with 35. France uh, has 33. Great Britain has 30 spots. Poland, 27. China, 26. Jamaica, 23. And Canada has 22 spots. Uh, are there any surprise wow. countries uh, in the, that group there? Well, that Jamaica and Canada are basically even one off of each other, and Jamaica has the one spot more, is a little surprising. Um, but not when you consider their literal track record on the track. Um, this is definitely not uh, Canada's uh, Olympic event you know, as far as them dominating. So it's, it's not surprising that, that Canada only has 22. Um, but Poland and Great Britain, you know, that, that's a little bit surprising. At 27 and 30. I mean, USA doesn't surprise me at all at having the top. But even France, France, Great Britain, and Poland, all within like six points of each, uh, six spots of each other from 33 to 27. Not not the ones I would have expected up there, really. China, those, yeah. Those were the most um, surprising to Russia, me. Russia, which isn't even here. Yeah. 
if you see any of the qualification uh, Russia, for Russia, it's, <laughs> it's all kind of yeah. crossed off. So, yeah, because well, they're not uh, they're not to be named this year. Uh, so, Team Voltmarks is it. Uh, running. <laughs> But uh, yes, there's no more fastest man in the world. Usain Bolt has retired from competition. Uh, so there right. will be a new sprint king uh, and maybe Canadian Andre de Grasse, who uh, finished third at the Rio Olympics in the 100, uh, can fill that role. Uh, I don't know where people stand uh, after not really training properly for the last year. Uh, and lots of athletes going through cycles for Olympics. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I think uh, the track events are going to produce maybe a lot more first time medalists or countries who don't normally medal uh, getting uh, on the podium. Uh, I think there's going to be uh, more than a few surprises when it comes to uh, track athletes. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the, the one I'm more most likely to watch um, to actually like with a purpose, like with the purpose of watching. You know, I'll put it. I'll put on this. Uh, you know, whatever channels having it uh, in the background. Especially if I'm working from home. I hope no one of my coworkers is listening to this. But if I'm working from home, like there's always something in the background, especially with with dogs or if you have kids. Anyone can probably relate that if they're not keeping busy or if they're not in school obviously uh then you have to have something on the background because either they need to have like their attention fixated on one thing and if if that's the olympics that's great because uh pretty much any sport at this point i was watching darts the other day that was uh actually Mm. quite fun darts is a good background uh yeah and uh that's gonna do it uh got through the beast and uh, hopefully we will have lots to talk about uh, at the end of uh, August. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be interesting, uh, interested in following just how they pull it off logistically. That, that's definitely something I'll uh, I'll keep a close eye on because that's uh, you know I, I like I like kind of figuring out how um, different organizations deal with things uh, um, in in this type of you know, situation. And we're going to head to uh, a couple of new segments. Uh, this segment is called shout outs. Uh, kind of just giving the people uh, what's been keeping you uh, engaged lately, uh, anything new, anything exciting. Uh, and uh, something that uh, really helps you stay distracted, if you will, from uh, things that aren't happening in the sports world. Uh, is there uh, anything you want to give a shout out to? Anything that's uh, kind of taken, grabbed your attention lately? Um, as far as uh, as far as my favorite sport, like, I'll go with obviously hockey. Um, in the last couple of days, been really um, following a lot of the waiver wire transactions um so big shout out to cap friendly um for you know providing the service it was essential throughout the draft throughout the off season 
there's teams that rely on this, you know, this website to help them calculate their own cap without having to go directly to their accountants to just kind of use it as <laughs> basically their, their live version of be a GM mode. Uh, they can use <laughs> cap friendly. So what a fantastic site. I, it's a site I use all the time, really like it's really, it goes beyond just checking what the cap hit or what the contract situation's like. Uh, the fact that you can do a buyout calculator, um, there's going to have a simulation, not a simulation mode, but kind of like a, a draft fantasy mode for uh, the um, expansion draft, you know, this year for the Kraken. So that that's, it's such an essential tool. Big shout out to Cap Friendly and Cap Geek before it rest in peace. I I have used that website quite a bit. Uh, so I second that, that shout out. Uh, one thing that I discovered uh, just this uh, past weekend is a YouTube channel called Aesthetics, uh, where they talk about hockey, do deep dives uh, into jersey concepts. I'm a huge jersey lover. I know you are as well. Uh, they yeah, break down yeah. a lot of different mm-hmm. talks. Uh, and it, something kind of different uh, compared to all the other YouTube channels out there. Uh, I thought they were brand new, but turns out that they've been around for oh, a while cool. and just kind of rebranding yeah. and starting new stuff. So uh, go check them out uh, and their talks. They talk about retro jerseys. Uh, they have people who kind of work in the industry or with hockey teams. So they kind of have insight of their decision-making and what they're thinking uh, and, uh, yeah, it's just a, a good, you know, five, 10, half an hour kind of video break if you need that. Uh, and it kind of gets you even more excited to see, uh, the hockey season start. You know what? It's funny, um, that you mentioned this website. I mean, it, for you discovering it as a youtube channel is, is i didn't even know that they had a big youtube presence so i'm excited to check out their content because i've been consuming their content specifically their alternate uh their takes on alternate jersey designs mm-hmm. um, that's why they're called aesthetics right because it's aesthetic on ice um i was following them before they even had a twitter account when they were just a, a blog like a wordpress blogspot type of uh blog um, I remember finding uh, their con- one of their concepts, or maybe not their concept, but like a reader that sent it in, a concept of a Leafs jersey with the CN Tower going through the Leaf. And I was like, that's so badass. Like, why can't Toronto have uh, similar designs? Not, not necessarily on the jersey itself, but like as alternate logos that they can use in merchandise or like a poster or something cool like that. Uh, so I used it as one of my avatars on like, I don't know what it was at the time, maybe a Twitter avatar. can't remember what it was, but I, I definitely remember when I was like, oh, I found that site. And I just went crazy with all of the, like, their, their different logo designs. They actually had some cool ones for Detroit, which we were talking about in the last uh, Jersey discussion we had, that Detroit doesn't really have any cool things that they can do. Well, they actually could. Um, they would just have to really, really, really go away from the tradition, which I don't think they will. But uh, they, they have some really awesome concepts on their site. I recommend deep diving into their archives. Look up your favorite team. 
aesthetics, you'll have years and years and years of different designs to look through. It's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And in a video that I was just watching, I uh, episode, uh, I think of their podcast too, but it's on YouTube. They were going through the the retro jerseys and uh, they talked about one guy really liked the Islanders one. And I was kind of like, are you kidding me? And they said the next day after the jerseys were announced, New York put out merchandise. They put out a, a bag, a hat and something, and it had the fisherman logo on it. And I was like, so like you knew people wanted the fisherman logo. You couldn't have put it on a jersey. Yeah. So it's, it's not, what is it like a, they're clearly not ashamed of using it. Clearly, and they know not. people like it, but it's it wasn't good enough to put on their actual jersey. Come on, if you're gonna if you're gonna go camp, embrace it and go full. Um, and one thing I also wanted to say, I looked again at the. Uh, uh, I thought it was such a cool jersey, but it definitely looks like a subway jersey. Uh, <laughs> the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, I have I have to retract that statement. I don't think it's as nice. I do like the color scheme, but all I can see is Subway now, and I really, really wish I hadn't seen that. I know it's so sad. Yeah. <sighs> uh, and the second new segment that we have is called "What's the Word." Uh, this one's uh, giving people's opinions on different topics. Uh, and of course you are more than welcome to give us your opinion, uh, whether it's on the podcast itself, these new segments or what we're talking about. So, uh, first one is, uh, entrances. Now, uh, I know, uh, hockey, uh, they try and do entrances. Yeah. The senators have tried some really cool ones. eh? Uh, The gladiator one. Oh, Uh. That was rough. And it's usually only one, the first game in the season, you know, it's not, it's like, yeah. And they have a song, like bland. every team has a song, but for special events, they have special one. Not everyone yeah. has like a shark head, like the sharks used to yeah. go out or the Oilers have an oil rig. Um, or uh, basically fucking real life cannon, like they do or, in Columbus. Or like, a cannon. Yeah. Some teams loud. make it work. <laughs> uh, but one yeah. thing that's, uh, one thing that gets people really amped up is watching uh, not necessarily football entrances, but college football entrances. Uh, Interesting. And with the college championship, uh, football championship happening this week, uh, we kind of looked at some of the, some of our favorite entrances here because you get the traditional ones where it's like, the school's steeped in tradition. So they run out of the tunnel and they tap a banner and the band is playing. And to me, that doesn't really get me hyped. That doesn't as a fan. Yeah, no. I mean, maybe unless you're player, already a fan of the team. And that's the thing but... is if you went to the school or if you know the tradition, if you have any association or if you play, I'm sure it gets you amped up. But from a, a, a viewer who doesn't go to any of these schools, uh, it doesn't get me excited to watch that team. Uh, but we did find some. Uh, now, most of them use uh, a song, a, a song that's going to get you just amped up, or if it's used correctly, give you goosebumps. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is uh, Virginia Tech and their use of Enter Sandman. Do you think of that song as a 
hype song? Oh, absolutely, man. That that song, um, you know, when I when I think of entrances, my first thought goes to uh, goes to wrestling. Um, Ooh, yeah. And for me, like I have seen a few of these, um, a few of the the college uh, football entrances, especially the, the 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 big hype ones. This one, the Virginia Tech, and as soon as the song hits, everyone goes fucking crazy, uh, and and this was I think one of the bigger pops uh, that I've seen. Uh, such a great song, and that's the thing. Something that's going to get get you know everyone who's in attendance. The student section is the most important because once they get hyped oh and amped God. up, that's going to get everyone else involved. And when you have 50 to 100,000 some of these stadiums that can hold that many mm -hmm. it's just and in this case everyone just starts to jump up and down I'm sure the stadium just bounces with the people and you get you know Metallica's famous song just getting in there how can you not feel goosebumps and get ready to go whack someone 50 yards yeah honestly you're already probably boozed up. You're in college. This is, you know, you're living in the moment. Uh, you're probably on the on the younger side of as far as age goes, and you just got all kinds of adrenaline, and you're letting it all out all at once with all your friends. Like you can't ask for a better a better scenario than that. You cannot. And another school uh, down in South Carolina, my favorite name for a team, the Gamecocks. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's a fantastic name so uh they've used great music before like uh using 2001 a space odyssey to build the tension and then just rush the field at the big finish uh but every i think the song you i don't think there's a bad use for it i'm sure someone could find it but using darude and sandstorm to get uh -huh. your crowd hyped and then just run onto the field that that moment that drop hits uh it can it's never be overused i don't think it's a classic and anytime you ask what's the name of that song that should be the answer uh, <laughs> it's an, an internet anthem and it, it is an internet well anthem. uh the, the finnish pride of darude <laughs> uh yes tech the Finns. <laughs> Texas AMM, uh, I don't know if they still use it. Uh, I didn't really watch many college games this year because I don't think they should have played. Um, but their use of Kanye West's uh, Power, uh, I think that's a, a really oh, yeah. good song to get uh, people amped and hyped up. Yeah, I mean, not a, I'm not the biggest Kanye fan in the world, but uh, you, you could do worse uh, um, than, than choosing a song like Power. It's, it's, a, it's a heavy bass, and that, that's the kind of thing you need in a stadium like that. Because again, like you're you know, trying to ramp up a crowd of 100,000 people. At, like, that's a lot of people, and mm. a lot of Kanye fans, for sure. Uh, and my last uh, one to put on this list, uh, Colorado University. Uh, they kind of use the traditional band uh, to entrance but 
they have a live mascot. And we talked about mascots early on in season one of the podcast. Uh, and we actually did, I believe, talk about this mascot, but Ralphie the Bison. I think they call it a buffalo. I, I don't know. But uh, yeah. Bison buffalo. Bison. But uh, he has a cage right by where the players come out and uh, right when they're ready to come out, Ralphie being held down by five different people and he still could take uh, them everywhere. He leads the team out every single home game. Can't hold him back. Can't hold him back. No one's going to hold him down. Uh, but I think that's yeah. pretty cool to have a, a, a bison just roam out be like, yeah, what bitch? <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. Uh, and our second is playoff victories. Uh, we've been talking about the Browns a lot, and Casera, uh, who will be on the next episode, uh, is a diehard Browns fan. And like we were talking about earlier, how long it's been since uh, they have been able to feel that sense of feeling joy. And we were talking about it uh, before, you know, the last time that the Leafs won a, a playoff series, and just. You know the feeling when someone talks about it or, you know, Kaz was saying how crazy it was that his team was winning and just he was talking about the feelings and the emotions that he was going through throughout the game. And it just got me remembering and feeling how I feel whenever my teams, you know, win a playoff game and you go through a hard fought feeling. And it's something that you bury deep inside of you. And when someone talks about it or your team's playing and they pull it out, it's just kind of a refresh. It all comes back super easy. Uh, but it's, it's something that you can kind of put to the side and always remember how you feel. Yeah, definitely. Uh, not something I've felt in a while. I mean, outside of uh, the sport of hockey, definitely that's not true. You know, the Raptors won – it was only a couple of years ago now and then in the long, long ago, back in 2019. Um, I know it feels so long ago right now, right? <laughs> but uh, when they won, that was, it just felt like, like a whole weight off your shoulders. Uh, like that you can just get that monkey off your back uh, as a franchise that's still relatively new to the NBA, you know, relative to the rest of the league, basically. Um it's nice to, and especially in a country like Canada, right? Like that's not our sport, even though a Canadian created it, whatever. Uh, we're not known to be like, oh, the yeah, Canada, obviously the, the NBA champions belong there. Uh, that was an amazing feeling. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't felt that with hockey in a long time, since high school. So I know what it feels like. I don't know how to associate it to the Leafs anymore. I have to redevelop that at some point because um, I was literally a child or, or a teenager with a child's mind the last time that that happened. So, yeah, I'm happy for Krasra. He, he's a lifelong Browns fan. They, I, I can relate on, on so many different levels. Go Browns. Well, that's going to do it for our two new segments. Let us know what you think. Uh, do you like them? Should we keep them? Should we toss them in the garbage? Let us know your favorite experience uh, when your team wins a, a big playoff. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the times when you get that feeling of a playoff win, 
for a lot of teams, it uh, usually ends a little bit later with a defeat, and we all know that feeling uh, as well. They, you know, you have to give and take. You have to remember both emotions. Uh, but speaking of hockey, it is now time to get to the main course. The NHL is back. Oh, and we're hungry. And we are hungry. It's, Some of our teams yeah. have not played for almost a year. Yeah, uh, the not good ones. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I don't mean that. Like, I mean, I, I mean, I do because it's hilarious. But it, that's an unfortunate truth for many really good players um, that they haven't played professionally at their level in a calendar year. Um, that's injuries notwithstanding. But it's okay. We are on hockey eve. If we want to call it changes, seems to change date every, uh, every few years or so. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> we are, we have made it a uh, shortened season. Uh, last time we had a shortened season was uh, 2013, uh, which worked out pretty well for some teams. Um, uh, ha, ha. <laughs> Not <you> know, mine. <laughs> when you don't have enough games, you can't break down and then it's fine. It's going to be fine. Put my Casca beside Dion Phaneuf. It'll be fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. Uh, we have lots of different changes happening um, this time around, uh, as opposed to the last shortened season. We have new realignment. Yeah. We have new divisions. We have sponsors. Sponsors. Have helmet sponsors. Helmet sponsors. Uh, what uh, what's your feeling going into this new season? Uh, just giddy. I'm like a a child who knows he's about to go to the candy store, but like it feels like you're perpetually just a block away, son. Just a block away, son. Uh, and for it to actually be happening within the next 24 hours, I know Ottawa doesn't play their first game for another couple of days, but just that the sport is back, and that you can cheer simultaneously against the Leafs and against the Montreal Canadiens. I think that's a win-win for everyone. Um, it's the rivalries a are back. That we, that we haven't felt in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that there's going to be um, the, the Canadian division, the true North, um, I think we'll, we'll finally be able to crown a King in the North. It's, it's been a while, but uh, yes, before we get into that realignment, how do you feel about uh, the sponsors? Do you, do you have an opinion? Do you, I, I, you know, I was, I wasn't like, you can't be really surprised with anything that, that causes controversy on the internet because almost anything can cause controversy on, on the internet. Uh, Twitter, hockey Twitter went crazy about sponsors. Like, have they ever watched a game ever <laughs> every every other power play is sponsored by Gatorade or you know it's the Bell Rogers corporate bleh, even, penalty kill of the game like e- even in is. the in game if you've ever been to a game they have oh you know the Sens used to be it's uh, a, you know the pizza pizza power play if they score you win yeah. a, you get a free pizza pizza or if they exactly. score in the last minute you get a free big mac like you don't think those yeah. are sponsors? They're giving you free stuff. Almost of course they're a sponsor. 
a replay can be sponsored. Like, yeah. We, I've seen it all in sports. So, oh yeah, the, the Honda division. You know what? <laughs> I I cheer for a team that whose fan base was upset when the Air Canada Center was renamed. Mm. It could, because, you know, when you think Toronto Maple Leafs, you think of Air Canada. Why would we <laughs> want to be associated? We're already, uh, we already have a shitty brand reputation. Why would we want to be associated with Canada's literal top flight shit brand? Um, it doesn't make any sense. Why would any fan have any attachment to one thing like that? Or adversely, uh, be upset about things like a division that's a one-year naming right. This isn't like a permanent naming right. It's a one-year situation. What's there to be upset about? It's the the, the league literally is not making money um, through ticket sales. What do you want them to do? Not we're play? Because that's not in choice. Europe. Where the referees aren't wearing cow pattern referee gear. Yeah, like. This isn't, yeah, exactly. Like if we were, if if it was like um, the Spangler Cup, I, I would <laughs> be livid because I because I like jerseys and I don't like stickers because I'm not a child and I don't need a sticker book. But the jerseys are still relatively clean. The fact I would I would rather see uh, something like a mutual whatever than the, the shitty fanatics logo so i'm already like you know what there's corporate logos on the thing already it just happens to be the manufacturer of that thing so what's another couple not a big deal to me i'm okay with the helmet uh, advertisements they're doing it in a way where it's not oh you know a red calgary's flames you're gonna put a you know a neon green advertisement to really clash they, exactly. they make it blend in uh, as best as but you're still recognizing the company yeah so, exactly we're not talking about like oh you think the uh the actual logo for fc barcelona is the unicef logo it's not like that exactly right it, like it's not up front taking all of the space or blocking the name uh the name shield on the back it's not blocking the number it's like the NBA ones. Like, I don't particularly think Wish.com is a great website. But it's, on a, it's on the jersey, and it doesn't clash. You know, it's not like their 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 logo color is prominently. Uh, it, it actually blends. It's mm-hmm. not like it's not necessarily appealing to the eyes, but it's so small and insignificant that you only really notice it in between play anyway. Exactly. And if the helmet ads stay after this year, I'm okay with that. If they want to sell, uh, if they sell advertisement to, you know, name a division next year, I mean, I'm in no position to stop it and I'm not going to stop watching hockey because, uh, you know, Honda, I, I don't drive Honda. So why would I cheer for it? Like, those are just people looking for something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. People are going to look to get angry about whatever. Like, are there any got, sponsors got yelled that... at on Twitter for not caring about Kanye and Kim getting divorced? <sighs> like, there are things that matter. 
and then there are things that people want really to matter that don't matter um exactly or were there any yeah. sponsors that surprised you or that you've seen that you're kind of like oh that's good for them they so have it was, it was honda um scotia yeah scotia and no was, big surprise banks, right? td was td the other one no so mass mutual okay so that's that's the one i couldn't remember that i thought was like uh is it a financial company or is it, it sounds more like an insurance company I I believe they do insurance or investments. Okay. Yeah, I don't know anything about them. I mean, uh, insurance company. I, yeah. I like Honda, so I'm I'm okay with Honda. Uh, yeah, they do sound like an insurance company, right? Like Manulife, kind of mm-hmm. something similar to that. And then the everyone's favorite Discover. Uh, I the other one. I Discover. forgot that they were around Whatever. still. Because uh, we don't have Discover here in Canada, but uh, good for no, them. No, we don't. Just yeah, that's like sticking around. I guess it's like having the uh, Amex Center or the Amex uh, division. Mm. There's American Express in Canada, but we don't really use it. Like they barely use it in the states. It's such an elitist card. That, of course, <laughs> there's even less of them here. Um, you know, it, it's funny you mentioned that even if they were to sell the naming right for next year or if they have like one that they do in a rotation like oh we can sell the naming rights not in perpetuity but you know on a rotation like year to year or whatever i still wouldn't use it i don't care if you're gonna make money that way fine as long as like if you're gonna find that new stream of revenue and then simultaneously everything also gets more expensive like tickets for example or uh, nhl packages that are notorious for not even giving you full access like as long as you improve and make the price of things have value to them then i'm okay with it if you have another stream of revenue Mm -hmm. uh will i use your dumb corporate names probably not uh i still refer to the Skydome as the Skydome. I don't actually know what it's called, and I don't care to know. Forever the be Skydome. the Skydome. Yeah. So, what do I care? Not really. But will I abide by their dumb shit and call it like the subway power play of the game? No. I, it's it's a power play. It's just a power play. Uh, well, not only is the NHL realigning, but the AHL. Um, and they have five divisions. Uh, no word yet if they're selling sponsorship, but uh, they too will have a Canadian division with just four teams. Uh, they'll have an Atlantic division with three teams. Uh, and then you get uh, seven in the north. You have six in the central. And then you have eight in the Pacific. Uh, it's uh, with three teams actually uh, opting out. So Charlotte, Milwaukee, and Springfield have all opted out of the season. And some Canadian NHL teams have opted to keep their farm team in the States, which, which is may weird. provide to be a little problematic going forward, but yeah, that's, that's their decision. Uh, how do you feel about uh, some AHL teams opting out this year? the the main question i would want to see answered and i'm not sure if it's it's uh, been made clear or not uh would be how does the loaning work for the players on their rosters 
Mm. Uh, and players are under basically being developed for other NHL franchises. How does their situation work? Do they get loaned out? How do you get recalled back if you need to be put on like the taxi squad or on the actual uh, uh, full-time NHL roster? How does that work out? Um, especially if it's inter uh, in between both countries and you have to have international travel. Um, so some logistics there to to consider. And I guess not every team in the NHL really um, uses their AHL affiliate to their fullest potential anyway. So I guess for some smaller markets or uh, less involved markets, it doesn't matter as much, especially if there is going to be a taxi squad, which there is. Um, I, I just want to know what happens to those players that where are they going to play? That's the, a lot of the questions for a lot of leagues. Um, I think the, the WHL announced that they were going to have like, like a 30-game season. Like that's so short. Uh, we, we just want to know where these players are going to play, I think is what I'm getting at. Yeah, and there's – they're kind of – they answered some questions, but then there are others that I think they're just kind of waiting to see what happens and – what they can do at that point because it's an ever-evolving situation you know uh the border is mm-hmm. still shut between canada and the u.s uh until end of february middle of february at this point uh yeah who knows if that gets extended, extended. yeah it probably exactly. will be so uh, it's an ever-evolving i think those questions where it might change from day to day they don't want to answer until it comes up yeah, which is fair, but uh, they don't have to answer them as long as they're coming up with answers internally. Um, that's all that matters. But if it's just they're going to wing it, which happens to be the solution in often too many cases of uh, like, well, look at the MLB. They got lucky. They just winged it and somehow it worked out. But it doesn't always usually more likely than not, it won't. So planning ahead, that's all I want to make sure that they're doing because this is a development of over, probably we're looking at around 50 to 60 players. Uh, Whether all of them have NHL potential or not is beyond the point, but they're needing somewhere to play. Um, Something to do for a year because when are they going to play next? yeah, I hope the NHL uh, or the AHL as the affiliate has some uh, foresight in that. Well, we made it and we have a realignment. First question right off the bat. Is this just a one-off uh, kind of fun thing that they never thought they'd be able to do, especially with an all-Canadian division? Or does this create such an unimaginable success that it forces them to consider keeping at least their realignment or this format. Is there any scenario where uh, this works so well that they have to kind of look and go, do we keep it the same? You know, I think it's more likely that, um, I think it's more likely that the amount of games played shifts a little bit 
almost not how it used to be uh, um, where every team literally faces every other team uh, during a regular season, regular 82 game season, obviously. Um, but prior to this, this setup, this new, uh, I guess not new realignment, but this, uh, the last incarnation of the re- realignment, um, you know, when, uh, the Detroit Red Wings and Columbus Blue Jackets came to the East. Um, there was, there were oftentimes full seasons that you could go without seeing a team from the West. Uh, you just literally, they never played your team. Or likewise, that a team from the East wouldn't go visit a team in the West. Um, so it's weird that there used to, that used to be just normal. I think there could be maybe more of a, a shift of let's, let's give certain teams more games against each other for a number of different reasons. You can say it's for uh, ratings, for the rivalries that are created uh, for the excitement. Um, I think they're going to be starving for ratings uh, and any, anything that has worked in the past, like we can see how um, outdoor games are going to be heavily relied upon to, to at least host fans that wasn't thought of as a, we're going to do this every year when they first started doing that, but they learned as they went and realized that it's a a profitable uh, venture, an interesting, like nice to have, but not necessary thing. And if they see, Hey, you know, numbers in Canada were through the roof because it was the Winnipeg jets versus the Ottawa senators. And they developed this, rivalry that would not have otherwise developed because they face each other for 10 games the previous year. Maybe they don't face each other only four times this year. Maybe we do, you know, maybe every Canadian team sees each other six times instead of four and we can just kind of make the rest of it work where you'll still see every other team, but you might not see them twice. You know, you might see them only once. That's uh, a good point. I didn't, I didn't even consider, uh, but yeah, there. I think this new division, at least here in Canada, you're going to get maybe those, you know, Ottawa Calgary rivalries or Ottawa Vancouver, where you see them twice in a year. There's no real, unless an incident happens, nothing's going to, it's not like Ottawa, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Toronto, Montreal, because you play each other so often, you play each other four to six times. At least four times yeah yeah you're gonna hate each other uh especially as the games start to mean more so the better the teams are like uh edmonton calgary like the rivalry of the battle of alberta has become you know much more prominent the past few years than it had been the rest of the 2010s uh yeah it's crazy having talent what having talent will do to a rivalry right mm -hmm. and uh it's funny that you mentioned I think the first couple of teams that you grouped together was Ottawa, Calgary, the Kachuk rivalry. To see them face each other 10 times in a season, in a shortened season at that, that's going to be so much fun. It's... That's one of the products of this, right? Like uh, The fact that Max Domi is no longer in the Canadian team is unfortunate because <laughs> I would love to see him uh, against pretty much any other team. Uh, on any team, really, he's a he's a fun player to watch. Um, but is there's there, just so many things looking forward to. Is there uh, an American division? I don't want to classify them, but uh, like the the other 
Eastern division, if you will, like the, the two New York teams, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Washington, New Jersey, like I think that division playing each other so much is going to reignite some of those rivalries that have kind of gone dormant, oh, yeah. especially yeah, the New the, York, New York, since they haven't. The tri-state, really, the tri-state yeah. area for sure. Um, New Jersey in there too. But can the other two, do you, do you see it working the same where maybe Nashville and, you know, Florida might develop something uh, or Carolina? You You're know, saying they might have chemistry? possible will they will they develop Um, (laughs) such a hatred uh or will it not work the same oh my god or will they be like besties um i think i think there's going to be a lot of unusual rivalries um or or reignited ones that were dormant for a while uh, like the uh the teams in in the california like that those will be fun to watch and they're not None of them are particularly like standout uh, cup contenders, but they're all they're all basically in the same kind of gray area of kind of still good, but not great. So they're basically facing each other at a level playing field, uh, mm-hmm. but facing each other 10 times. I think that'll be a cool um, late night game to look forward to, uh, you know, when uh, whenever you get the chance after after you're finished watching, uh, you know, any of the uh, Eastern time zone games, um, there's going to be a lot of really interesting, like if you think St. Louis, uh, with their last couple of years being so dominant in the West, they're definitely going to have some interesting matchups with some other Midwestern teams uh, 10 times. If you're going to see, is it, Vegas is are they in the same? They're in the same as yeah. uh, St. Louis, right? St. Louis, so San Jose, Vegas, each other ten yeah. times. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. Holy hell! Well, here's the thing. So in in the MLS, uh, just like a lot of soccer, they have you know derbies and uh, and they've tried to harness that for the MLS. So there's uh, when two teams play each other. So when um, I believe it's Seattle, Vancouver, and Portland, or it might be just Seattle and Portland. But anyways, they whenever they play each other, whoever kind of wins the season series or whatever, they get uh, a cup. They named it something. So like when Montreal and Toronto right. play, they play yeah. the 401 cup, essentially. Yeah. And, uh, do you see something like this coming out of so you know uh you know arizona las vegas the the desert bowl like that would be cool right can Um, does would that work for hockey the same way it does for soccer i think it would have to be slightly larger groupings uh for it to be significant enough how many mls teams are there Oh, they're in the 20s now. Uh, maybe 26? Okay, that's more than I thought. Um, I'm still looking at it from the perspective of before uh, uh, even the uh, Vancouver um, Whitecaps, uh, Whitecaps, even before they were in the uh, in the league. Mm. Uh, that's when Montreal had just been introduced as a, an, a full MLS team. So, yeah, I don't have uh, a, a fair 
picture of like what the the team structures look like in MLS to compare it to the NHL. But I think slightly bigger groupings maybe or, or something like the tri-state area because there's three teams and if you want to include upstate new york then you include buffalo because that's still a, a, a it's part of the new york state mm-hmm. um that could be interesting if they still had the, the connecticut team that or the hartford obviously team um that would be interesting too or maybe the florida rivalry you know that's uh the, I the think gulf between- of mexico cup Oh, that would be hilarious. You get Dallas yeah. in there. You get uh, yeah. Tampa, Florida. You get Tallahassee team. <laughs> Louisiana, just New Orleans. Oh, just... yeah. Well, speaking classic of that. Classic hockey. <laughs> classic hockey markets. Uh, the NBA Obviously. is looking at potentially expanding in a few years at a cost of $2.5 billion per team, which is just outrageous. Uh, yeah. But the NHL is adding a 30-second team with Seattle coming up. Uh, and this summer is going to be uh, another yeah. expansion draft, everyone's favorite. Uh, but if we got to 34 teams, what two cities uh, would you pick to be the next places? Uh, I'm going to look at it outside of the uh, – in more of the fantasy light than in the actual – uh, built into reality because I want to have an, a, a positive and kind of hopeful outlook. What I would like to see would be the Vancouver Grizzlies come back mm. and an expansion team in Montreal. That's what I would really like to see. I would love for Canada to have, and I think it more so than baseball, I think Montreal could support a basketball team. Um, I hope Vancouver eventually gets a team back. I don't think they're as ready, realistically, as as a city like Montreal. And I'm not saying Montreal's ready or that they've uh, expressed interest. But as a city, I think they have the potential to to properly um, house an NBA franchise. Uh, I think they're... They're a very passionate fan base for every sport and uh, a very multicultural city that definitely could, uh, it could even grow the sport in, in other areas um, that you wouldn't think, right? Like there's European countries, there's African countries that would be watching a team whose first language is French and could be watching games in French that could inspire an entirely different demographic and grow the sport in an, in a new way. Um, that would be entirely an unintentional consequence, but one that nonetheless will happen. Like I'm wearing a Jersey right now, the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, with their best player is half Mexican who grew up in the desert. And he's one of the biggest superstars in the game right now. Biggest up-and-coming superstar you can say uh austin matthews like you don't think that certain things will have an impact but the fact that he grew up watching danny briere light it up in the desert made him want to be a hockey player in a market where we were just joking about like louisiana in a market where ice doesn't grow on trees um <laughs> doesn't grow on trees here either you know what i mean it's natural here basically uh it, 
there are unintended consequences. So seeing a team in Montreal would be, it would be uh, simultaneously like a, a kind of a greedy thing for me to want that. But like culturally, I, I see only things that are positive as far as entertainment. I think the the, the city is a great city. Uh, anyone would love to live in that city. Um, I know Canada has an issue attracting NBA players. Being a Raptors fan, I've seen that firsthand. I mean, uh, Montreal's like essentially Montreal little different. Europe, or the yeah. you know North American Europe. What they say, mm-hmm. so that's a it's a big attraction. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm right with you. Uh, there are only two cities in Canada that could handle an NBA team in Vancouver, Montreal. Now, a lot of people think it's a slam dunk that Seattle will get a team again. And then Probably. do you add Vancouver? Is that too close? They had a rivalry. Both teams have gone. Mm-hmm. Do you give a city that has had two, you know, a team before another chance or do you try somewhere new? Uh, I'm right with you there. Uh, Montreal might be a little uh, preoccupied with trying to secure a baseball team again to try. Yeah, that's. So that's, and that's, that's kind the of... only concern. It is a concern, and I think it's more likely that they're going. Obviously, uh, my perspective is that they should explore the, the NBA option, but more realistically, they're going to go with the lowest hanging fruit, and the more likely option would be to have the Expos come back, which would be also really, really awesome. Yes. But what my want initially would be. And I'm a bigger basketball fan now. Anyway, would be for a professional basketball team to come to Montreal. Now, if we were to add two more NHL teams, do you go the route? Do you do the same thing? Do you go Quebec City, Hartford? Do you try somewhere new? Do you try one of those same markets, or do you try just two completely new places, like a New Orleans? Kansas City, Houston have been cities that have been linked before. Uh, I think Atlanta is pretty much dead in the water. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Uh, But do you do you pick Um, like a camp? Do you go a a one and one? Because the last two teams now have been in the West to even it out. Now do you Mm -hmm. add a one and one to keep it even? I think that'd be the best way to do it. Is you don't want to have to realign again, and there. Just realistically, like last time that there was realignment, it made sense for Detroit to come to the East. It made sense for Columbus to shift over. Yes. There are no like out, obvious outliers that it's just like a no-brainer that they can either, you know, straddle the line and make sense on both sides uh, or that literally belong in, in that they're in the wrong conference. There's no outliers currently, so it would probably make the most sense to do one uh, one on each coast. Um, I I think I think the market in Ottawa deserves a proper NHL sports franchise. So I'm I'm for Ottawa to have a their first ever proper NHL franchise with a pro owner. Uh, Canada can keep their team. They just have to stop using Ottawa. And uh, you know what? We can just push them to Kingston. It doesn't even matter. Um, no, but in all, in all seriousness, definitely seeing a Quebec Nordiques uh, come back would be, and with that name, um, as much as I love 
the Colorado Avalanche Nordiques jersey. Uh, that's if they come back, that's their logo um, or a variant of it. Uh, it's, it's the like same way. The, I, it's like the Jets. You, it's exactly no other the same. Name. Yeah. Like if if uh, the Phoenix or sorry Arizona franchise uh, owned by the NHL, if they, you know, I'm doing that corporate thing now. Uh, brought to you by Gary Bettman. Um, if they actually were to say, "Oh no, no," the you know, Timu Solani was a was an Arizona Coyote. Uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> not a that is not an Arizona Coyote. You don't think? Oh, oh yeah. When I think Timu Solani, I think the the Arizona Coyote legend. No, shut up. Same thing. Keith Kachuk. I guess he did a little bit of both. But like we're talking about uh, a franchise that belongs in the city. Don't you it think? Doesn't belong don't you th- with corporate entity. You don't remember Matt Sundin playing for the playing Colorado for the- Avalanche? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the Colorado Avalanche legend Matt Sundin. <laughs> um, that's exactly the the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, Eric Lindros refused to play for the Colorado Avalanche. You heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> he should have known better. He should have known. Yeah. So I would love to see the Nordiques come back in in the West. You know, that's actually a really question. Um, I would really want to see a team eventually in the East, East Coast, like like the actual East Coast. Uh, but that's way down the line. But as far as the West, I can't even think of like a, a favorite that I would say. You know what? That city deserves it. Um, Seattle was an obvious one. I think mm-hmm. Vegas wasn't as obvious, but it made a lot of sense and it made a lot of dollars, uh, more importantly. So I don't think there's any one particular market that stands out. Uh, I have to think about that unless you have a good one. I don't. I just hear the rumors. So Kansas City and Houston, I think, are the two most uh, like yeah, new cities. Uh, with, I don't know enough uh, about Kansas City. Neither do I. I don't. I mean, it's in Missouri, so you'd have a rivalry yeah. with St. Louis, but yeah, like, is it big enough? That's the thing. Is like, there's, there's. America big and then there's Canada big but like Canada you know like Ottawa is one million and that's more than enough to support a franchise but a million in the states is not the same as a million in Canada as far as hockey can, fans go. Can Texas um, support two different teams like is it is there enough reach for a Dallas Houston? If any there... state could do it probably uh, probably Texas could do it because everything's bigger in Texas. That is true. Uh, man. Houston Maybe even Austin. I don't know if uh, Austin would make more sense in Houston or less. It would really depend on like what kind of what would be they what would they be competing with in Houston? Basketball. Competing obviously with basketball there's NFL. There's MLS. So every sport. Uh, every they have every sport. Every major sport. Yeah. Uh, See, I just it typically doesn't work in markets that have already every other sport, mm-hmm. uh, unless it's a given, unless it's obviously like it's a Canadian market or it makes just total sense, like uh, Seattle. Um, 
what about a more northern like I, there's just not enough big markets in like the mid the northern midwest like do you add a team in milwaukee like they have a an ahl team do you do you look at a market that yeah, has an ahl team and if it could support a yeah no, maybe portland portland maybe portland you have that they're hipster kind of, enough that they would embrace something new hockey they'd be like that, oh we can be like a canadians that try kind of thing you have the seattle portland vancouver rivalry yeah exactly that stoner rivalry there <laughs> <laughs> um, could be something there i think out of all the ones that we've mentioned, I think Portland sticks out for me a little bit now that we're talking about it more. Uh, it, it would be nice if... Oh, yes, the, the uh, jazz-loving uh, The jazz-loving doesn't really Mormon like jazz. State, yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, when you think Mormon, you think jazz music. <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah, nowhere else pops out for it's... me. It is unfortunate that there's there maybe years down the line, but there is maybe eventually a market in Saskatchewan. Maybe not there yet. That's for sure. No, it'll be a while. I mean, what uh, what's the biggest? What's the largest population? Is it Saskatoon or Regina? Saskatoon. Saskatoon, really? Okay. And they're not reaching a million. No, they're they're like two sixty. So it's yeah, that would be the whole really, province has a really just cool. over a million. So we're not there yet. I guess we just need more uh, more internal migration to the uh, to the prairies, is what you're saying. To the flatland, just follow the wind. Uh, follow the flatlanders. Okay. Go back to the one dimension. Uh, I'll pack my bags and I'll do what I can. Um, probably not, but would be really cool to see a team in in the, another team in the West for sure. Now this year, more than ever, has a highly touted rookie class. We uh, which we haven't seen in a while. Uh, more than just uh, one or two big names. Um, now, with this yeah. season being so short and new players and lack of transparency over the border, do you see teams keeping their new rookies uh, for the normal nine and decide or sending them back where a lot of junior teams aren't even playing or if they can go back over to Europe and play play in Europe again? Uh, is yeah. that going to weigh whether those rookies make the team or not? Or are they just, is it a team by team basis? You know, if you're good enough, you're making the team doesn't matter the type of season or year that we're having. Yeah. Well, it's actually, um, I think it's six games um, before they can actually, their, their ELC kicks in. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure they. It's usually you're right. It is usually nine, but I think they prorated oh, because it down of, to six. Okay. Um, because of the shortened season, yeah. So it makes the decision even more difficult because if you have a guy um, you didn't expect to make the team, but he's clearly good enough, 
and he deserves to make the team, but you're making your decisions also based on your financial outlook that you don't want to start his entry level contract to have it kick in yet. You want to keep him, you know, at the, uh, before it even kicks in so that you can further reduce his cap hit. Cause maybe not all of the fans understand how it works, but if you haven't made, uh, the pro team yet you're like as far as your cap hit it doesn't start your entry level contract until you make the team or if you play uh pro not in the a i don't think the ahl counts because you have to be at least 20 to play in the ahl unless you're european there's a whole bunch of weird rules for europeans that have played pro before they can play in the ahl but as a junior uh you can't count against the cap unless you're on the nhl team uh, so that's why you'll see a lot of rookies. Um, their contract was initially signed for, let's say, 925, the maximum entry-level contract for a rookie. Uh, but their cap hit ends up being somewhere in the 700s. It's because their first year in the NHL wasn't until a couple years after that. So they have to spread that contract out and it gets prorated towards the five years, even though only, it's only the first three years that counts as far as the entry-level contract. All that to say is if you burn it this year, you can't then retroactively go back and, and change it, right? So you start their first year this year. It's a shortened season. You don't make the playoffs next year. You come back and he's not good enough to make that team. He's still counting towards your cap. He's still counting as, as far as a roster player. You can't send him back to junior and just bury his contract um, or delay it counting towards those first three years so that's a big deal especially if you're uh, a team that's playing against the cap and you're trying to finagle as much with it as you can to save as much so you can eventually trade a player for for, uh, a rental at the at the deadline um those are big decisions to make and only six games to make it in it's uh i think it'll be a team by team decision um i just don't see a lot of contenders keeping a lot of their rookies. They'll more than likely play them for, for the ma- maximum teams if they're good enough to be in the league and then probably keep them on the taxi squad until the juniors start again. Um, if the juniors, if their respective junior leagues don't start, I hope that they're allowed to play in the AHL without actually counting towards that ELC because if that's the case, then you may as well just play them in the NHL. I think you're right. I think a lot of the teams that picked one to 11 will take a harder look at their their rookies whereas the ones who picked later on in the draft just you know at they're adding but they they don't need to see them play right away yeah they're not you know it's a rush a much of a rush because more than likely they're still contending in the playoffs and uh more than likely they have enough roster players to actually uh set up a proper you know 12 man uh, forward roster without having to have any rookies if any well and a lot of junior players haven't played since march there were you know the ones who play in the world juniors will probably have the best chance of making it because they have that conditioning and then real tough games uh and then yeah. right into training camp whereas uh some of those jun- even junior players their leagues 
only some of the teams in the queue have started to play. The OHL and the WHL haven't started to play. So they haven't had a meaningful practice or skate, some of them, in a long time. Yeah, and even the ones that played in the queue, they haven't played for a couple months now. Exactly. So it's where, when they have played, they've played at their level at least. And if they were lucky enough to be in the World Juniors, then uh, even better. But that's only a fraction of these um, of these rookies. Uh, that doesn't even include the guys that weren't invited, not not invited, but the, their NHL teams weren't uh, didn't allow them to participate at the the World Juniors. Which is why I thought that it was dumb that Canada kept back Lef- uh, not Canada that uh, the Rangers kept back Lafreniere and that Ottawa kept back Stutzla. No, he he played for Germany. Oh, right. Sorry, he did. Uh, I was thinking. Uh, well, I was thinking of a couple of other Canadian, or like Nick Robertson in Toronto. He should have been playing for the States, uh, realistically, to give him get him going. Just you know, they're young guys. See, it's not like you have to time manage them. They're not Kawhi Leonard. Like they are in their early twenties or even younger. These guys are eighteen that we're talking about right now. Like they have energy to burn. Let them go play. Uh, I, I really did not like those decisions uh, by their respective clubs, but they're obviously going to make what's uh, what they think is right for them. Do I think that they're going to make the team? It really will depend from one club to another. Mm. Uh, I, I think there's like no brainers, right? Like the send should very well. If Jake Sanderson is able to play, if he's, why not? Um, if unless he's playing, is he playing in the NCAA? Are they? Yeah, playing? he's playing in the NCAA. So. Okay, so he has at least somewhere to play, but uh, Stutzla should be in the NHL. Um, do I think that any of the picks beyond 15 should be playing in the NHL? Probably not, unless they're the like reincarnation of David Pasternak. Uh, but I don't have any reason to believe that for any of them. So I don't know. We'll see. Do you see uh, this year being different for trades? That's a good question. That's something I've been wondering because what happens if a Canadian team trades with an American team? Yeah, we, they, they haven't just can't trade with them anymore. They, they haven't have come out to say if, if there's no trading, if uh, what the scenario is. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Or is there such you know, this is such a short season. Uh, have to look back to see how many trades happened really in the in the last shortened season because um, it's kind of a we're at a sprint now in, mm-hmm. instead of an, a marathon. So, and the trade deadline it comes. It, it's usually around um, the end of February. Uh, I know that because it's always right around my birthday. And this year it's going to come, I think, only a couple weeks later than that. So it's not even like, like obviously the season's starting way later than usual. The trade deadline is still right around where it usually is. So it's going to feel like a huge rush once we get there. Um, I think it'll be interesting. There probably will be some, uh, you know, 10 to 14 day quarantine or significant amount of testing after maybe a week, whatever it is that they do um, to not like 
two weeks out of out of this shortened season is going to be a significant portion of the season. Uh, sure, the player will be available for playoffs, but they don't even get to actually play with, get to know their new teammates for a significant amount of time. They're going to have to figure something out with that. Mm-hmm. It makes it hard, especially for a rental player, to really exactly. gel with the team, which is what they need to, to do the very fast. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's everything's accelerated, right? It's a short yes. season, so you have to hit the ground running. And if you don't, uh, that you basically lost that trade for the, for that team. Now, uh, one of the stories going into the season, kind of like the NBA, is twenty seven players have tested positive. Uh, report came out today, and seventeen of them are from the Dallas Stars, whose season has yeah. been pushed back a week. Uh, because they can't practice because they got the COVID. It, are, are it's frustrating. We, are, it's, it's very so frustrating. frustrating. How do you now? The NFL suffered from this, having to juggle and move teams. Are are we going to be able to see an NHL shift around schedules? I think they have a lot shorter of a leash uh, um, than most other leagues. Uh, I don't know how many favors Gary Gary Bettman has to cash in with his corporate overlord buddies, um, but if uh, if there's going to be a significant amount of um, uh, table uh, not table plate balancing, uh, you know, juggling act that they'll have to do, um, it'll more than likely be the um usual suspects it's not surprising that it's not that it's dallas as the dallas stars organization specifically but it wouldn't surprise me if it was like the florida panthers it wouldn't surprise me if it was any uh organization that exists within a city who's treating this pandemic as if it's just whatever another flu uh, super lax uh, restrictions, not, you know, having fans at the game. These are just like indicators to me that it's not being taken as seriously. So I can't say I'm surprised that it's all the stars. Uh, if you were to tell me tomorrow that it's the Florida Panthers that are, you know, they have 10 players or whatever significant amount, uh, I would be like, yeah, of course it is. It's just, that's the, that's the matter of the, the state that they're in literally the state that they're in. Um, it's unfortunate and it's frustrating because it's again, kind of like that. We're all trying to do our part except for the ones that aren't. And they're the ones that usually bring the rest of us down. It's, it is very frustrating. And I, I want to say that it was probably going to happen. Thankfully this has happened before the season and not in the middle where you have to kind of juggle everything around. Um, I can see something happening where uh, after, because each division has four teams that make the playoffs, I can see maybe uh, after whoever wins each division, they come together for kind of a grand and, you know, final four. I can see a final four happening in a bubble scenario. Uh, Baseball did that as well after their first round of playoffs because it was just, they were having trouble all throughout the season as well. Uh, it yeah, or even just helps. before. 
Yeah, it kind of helps that they only play the same team. For sure. It does, for sure, because it's easier to manage and it's it's going to be within the same region of, of uh, teams that it's not just the Dallas Stars that are affected. It's every team that they face that they're going to be one game behind or two games behind or however, however many they have scheduled against Dallas or against whoever is the next uh, team that's in Dallas's current situation. Um, there might be, and I know they, they – definitely do not want to postpone the start date of the playoffs but they might have to look at it as like all of the games that we had to postpone we'll put in between the end of the season and the playoffs in like a bubble situation all these makeup games that are with whatever teams haven't fulfilled their full schedule and then just have some sort of weird round robin even if it's out of your division oh my god you have to face a team that you would not have faced otherwise whatever you you get to the game amount that you need to get to and you're decided if you make the playoffs or not and then you move on they might have to do something weird like that where it's like a two week period of time just to catch up with all the games that were postponed one fun thing uh is we're still going to get outdoor games yeah this year that's right at lake tahoe the lovely outdoor uh, place to go visit we're going to get two outdoor games uh at towards the end of february uh so those are going to be fun no fans are going to be there but uh, you might get a, a deer or uh, a nice bald eagle flying a deer. <laughs> a female deer does this excite um, you at all <laughs> not more than the return of hockey um i like the idea of outdoor games i I'll watch them if they're on, if uh, I remember to watch. But not to the degree more than any other regular game. Like, not maybe not to the same degree as, like, a more casual fan would be like, oh, if I'm going to watch a game, it's going to be the other game. Mm. For me, it's like, if I catch it, I catch it. And especially if there's no fans, what difference really does it make? It's the same thing that, like, I don't care if the teams are traveling or if they're in like a localized bubble, like I get, I care players. I don't care where they play. Like the Toronto Raptors are playing in Tampa Bay. It doesn't make a difference to me because there's no player. There's no fans or Raptors fans at the games. It's not like, I'm like, Oh, I'm missing out because I could be there. I couldn't be there. So it doesn't make a difference. Um, I'll, I'll probably still watch. It'll be cool. Just to, again, just to see how they pull it off. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, Cool to see any outdoor game because logistically they're nightmares. I don't know why they feel the need to do it when there's no fans. Um, I mean, I guess that's why they picked Lake Tahoe. It's going to be isolated, yeah. not many people there. So, yeah, I mean, that's a cool thing for the players for sure. Um, if if it was that type of thing, if we were doing like a, an outdoor game in Canada, it'd be the same thing. It'd be like, oh, that's cool. Uh, it's totally unnecessary. I'll still watch. You got me watching already. Um, but again, if, if they're trying to target it more towards like the younger fans, the casual fans, kind of this is their version of having a Nickelodeon broadcast. And all right, I'll, I'll, I'm cool with that. Like if it reaches more eyeballs and, and that's what you want, then that's cool. Uh, diehards will be watching anyway, especially if it's their team. And now comes to the big question is, uh, 
how is the season going to go? Who are our winners going to be? Who's going to make the playoffs? We're going to start. We'll save the Canadian division for last. So we'll start with the other Eastern Conference. So we have Boston, Buffalo, New Jersey, New York Islanders, New York Rangers, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington. Who are going to be our top four making the playoffs? Top four? Top four. Is that what I hear? Yeah. Top four. Okay. Uh, I think definitely Pittsburgh, um, Washington, Boston. The fourth one, I'm not sure. The fourth one, I hope it's Philadelphia, but I'm not sure. And I have a sneaky feeling that one of the Islanders, not even that sneaky, uh, but I I think the Rangers will be better than we expect them to be. Um, if they if they are as advertised, I mean, they have some really, really great talents. And I don't know if you've heard of this new player, Alexis Lafreniere. He's going to be quite a good player. Uh, I'll pronounce quite, it on the quite a good player. Quite a good player, uh, hey. That They might really surprise the player. He's a good player, so... Uh, <laughs> They might surprise us, but I think that the three favorites for me at least are not that they're my favorites at all, but uh, Pittsburgh, Washington, Boston, pretty much they're like already preceded in my mind. Um, that fourth one could be, it could be an interesting one, probably the Islanders, but it could be, you know, it could be any one of those Philadelphia Rangers. One. Yeah. Pittsburgh is going to play Buffalo. And we're going to see Boston playing Washington. So Zdeno Chara is going to face his old team in the playoffs. I really want to see Marshawn get the Chara treatment. <laughs> I want to see every Boston Bruin get the Chara treatment. So they know what it's like to see, to, to face against to play against uh, Zdeno Char in the playoffs because he gets away with fucking murder on the ice. And if any player should be on the receiving end, it should be uh, Marshawn. And I am not taking that back. That is set in stone for what I want to see. Uh, it would be very nice. In the uh, central, so we have Carolina, Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, Florida, Nashville, and Tampa, which kind of seems they took everyone else and just put them in a bowl. Uh, but uh, who are our four yeah. playoff teams? It's uh, a weird one. Definitely Chicago. No, not definitely Chicago. <laughs> definitely not Chicago, probably. Um, yeah, so I want to make sure I'm looking at the actual list of teams here because I don't have it memorized yet. But uh, – this is going to be between Tampa Bay. Well, I mean, I guess Tampa Bay, as the reigning Stanley Cup champion, they should be kind of a uh, right? Like we should just say, you're going to make it to the playoffs. It's almost like, I don't know. It's, it seems like by, almost by default. Uh, but Carolina should be shouldn't even be considered like a sleeper anymore. Carolina is such a strong team and they're only getting better. They have a really 
good young core, uh, and they just they gelled really well. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again: such a solidly defensive team, irregardless of the management's view on how to develop defensemen, that they don't need to draft defensemen. Definitely, they've been proving it to be true uh, because they literally just sign or trade for the defensemen and they're solid. Uh, obviously, they have some really good uh, in-house talent as well coming through the pipelines. Um, so, yeah, Tampa, Carolina, Columbus, I... They... they they're kind of a hot mess as right well now, as they? Dallas should they're their financial mess because of their own kind of uh, stubbornness. I think Yarmo Kuklainen by all intents purposes seems to be a good GM, but if they're anything like they were last year and a coach like Tortorella doesn't give me any reason to doubt that he'll, you know, lead a tight ship, um, then I think it'll be, between Columbus and Nashville for that last spot, but Carolina, Tampa, and uh, Dallas are for me the obvious ones. They're like a shoe in to uh, to go on into the, the, the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's a five horse race for this for this one. Uh, Dallas, as long as they get better <laughs> from what they're going through right now. Um, but yeah, it's definitely Carolina, Columbus, Tampa Bay, Nashville, and Dallas, and one of them will not make it. So, yeah, maybe not Nashville. I, well, I mean, maybe Nashville because I wasn't considering Nashville. It's almost a a recency bias, right? Like, what mm. have they done for me recently? Yeah, um, they didn't have a good showing last year, so I, I struggled to consider them as a uh, still a, a top flight um, problem team to face against. Uh, That's true. We yeah we think of them as you know Stanley Cup finalists, but that was it's been a few years now. So yeah. So we have the West Coast slash Desert Conference, aka the West Division. <laughs> uh, we have Anaheim, yeah. Arizona, Colorado, L.A., Minnesota. San Jose, St. Louis, and Vegas. So Minnesota is kind of the outlier there in the north. Um, yes. Who do we? Uh, who do we see? Uh, this is going to be a tough division. Uh, I see two obvious, three obvious ones. This is very similar to uh, how I'm viewing the other divisions too. Uh, there's three obvious ones. Colorado, St. Louis, and Vegas. Uh, um, and then a wild card, basically. Um, could be Arizona. Uh, could be Minnesota. I just don't see the California teams making that much. They haven't done enough uh, as far as uh, big changes to their roster or changes to their styles of play, their, you know, their internal philosophy on ice. Um, and their personnel doesn't really give me much to be hopeful for. 
uh, you got an aging Drew Doughty in Los Angeles on a team that is, by all intents and purposes, developing into a good team eventually in the future. Uh, San Jose, they're confusing. Like, we want to be contending every year, but we're really getting old and we're refusing to acknowledge that we should probably look to at least retool, if not completely overhaul. Um, and this uh, similar situation with Anaheim, like they don't have an identity of like, they're the young guys. They're a pretty young team, but they have a lot of old guys that, that keep that impression that this is really just the old guard. Um, I think more than likely it's be- that last spot is between, between uh, Minnesota and uh, Arizona. I would love for Arizona to make it. I love their Kachina jerseys. and Yeah. I think this is Colorado's division to win uh, outright and make it to the final four. Um, They're pretty heavily favored. Uh, I'd have to agree. It's, yeah, Colorado, St. Louis, Vegas, uh, and give me Arizona – the Ducks are a mess. LA's, yeah, I mean, maybe San Jose can pull it together, but they were a hot mess last year, so. Yeah, they definitely were. And finally, we end with everyone's favorite division, the True North Division, officially known as the North Division. Uh, I don't even have to tell you the teams. If you don't know, you should know. Um, really shouldn't be on this segment <laughs> if I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, this is the, everyone's favorite division. Everyone that is watching hockey uh, north of a, a specific order. Is um, there is there a team we can count out right away? I think it's funny that you're asking that question because I uh, think you know the answer. I I am putting it out there. Ottawa will finish fourth. We are going to shock everyone. We are going to make the playoffs. All right. Well, this is a little, uh, <laughs> a little behind the, the a little, a little. It's going to get controversial. <laughs> it is a little bit behind the scenes. Um, Justin is no longer able to see my camera because we had a, a call going, and my webcam went kaput so he didn't get to see my reaction neither did anyone else but my reaction when justin was saying that ottawa has a chance and i'm speaking not to justin any longer i'm speaking directly to the fans uh, is are we gonna have to actually set something up for him to get some sort of professional like help psychiatric like Guys, really write into the podcast uh, Gmail because we, we're going to need to figure out what's best for Justin. Is uh, He's clearly not in the right mental state, and we all want to see him do well. Uh, I'm telling you, all you, have to, all you have to do is sweep one team and go at least 50-50 with everyone else. Yeah. yeah. And I think you're sitting pretty at a top four anyways because this is only seven That's teams. That's all you have to do. So you just have to best three other teams. Yeah, just. Yeah, that's how I'm looking at it. So Vancouver kind of is not there quite yet. So they may make it, they may not. I mean, obviously everyone's picking Toronto to be number one. and I don't even think they're number one. If I'm being completely honest, I'm not sure that they're necessarily number one. They're number one in my heart and they always will be, but that's not the point. 
Um, well, it's hard to tell when when you hear when you see reporters at like Sportsnet pick, oh, who's going to win each division and who's going to end up in the Stanley Cup final. You you saw a lot of Toronto winning or lose Colorado beating Toronto, and I'm like. Are you just saying that because yeah. you want the clicks or are you do you really feel that? Most like mostly. I mean, these these what fans outside of uh, the Toronto Sports Network or you know the the Rogers uh, Sportsnet like what what they fail to see from uh, the the perspective of yes, TSN is covering the leaves more than any other in their backyard so it's geographically easier to do it especially in this type of environment uh but they're not doing it because they're brown nosing they're not doing it because uh, as far as like their fandoms these are not all a team of steve dangles that follow the the leafs um they're saying it because it's a sensational thing to say and because that's what will draw eyeballs. I know it. I'm a sucker for it. And it, every time I see, oh, they're tweeting about the Leafs. I got to go see. It's big news. Uh, we waved Travis Boyd. Big, big news, everyone. Let's all talk about it for four hours. It, You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, it resonates uh, negatively, but these are also the same reporters that constantly try to trade away our good players that constantly try to say that signing John Tavares was a mistake. These are the same reporters that even if they annoy the shit out of you because they won't stop talking about the Leafs, they annoy the shit about uh, they annoy the shit of they annoy the shit out of Leafs fans because they can't stop just saying things for the sake of riling us up or for riling up other fan bases against us. To say things like the Leafs have the best chance to win in their division. You're not saying it because you want me to feel a certain thing. You're saying it because you want other fan bases to be like, well, that's bullshit. And then they pile up and then take it out on, on the Leafs fandom. And the Leafs fandom is not uh, the, the victim here. There's big group of, you know, in any big group, you're going to have idiots. You're going to have uh, well-intentioned people. But the idiots are typically the loudest. And then it becomes this whole frenzy on Twitter of like, oh, hockey Twitter is going crazy because uh, the Maple Leafs are getting too much attention. Where uh, a more sensible part of the Leafs fandom doesn't really want that attention because it comes in both ways. It comes in like, Phil Kessel's fat. Phil Kessel eats hot dogs every day. <laughs> like, we want you to shut the fuck up as much as other teams want you to shut the fuck up because you won't stop talking about it and you'll find every angle to talk about it. And it, it gets annoying as far as uh, being the league fan and also being a hockey fan and seeing other hockey fans get sick of it too. I'm in the same boat. I'm sick of it for different reasons, but I'm also really tired of, of that uh, constant spotlight because it also draws away potential free agents. Not so much recently, but definitely um, call any Leafs fan in the early 2000s and they'll tell you about any, any free agent that wouldn't sign here. I, I think you're you're daydreaming about Ottawa, and it's nice. It's it's not a bad thing. You're it's your fandom, and I totally get it. I I just went on a huge rant about being a Leafs fan. I, I understand it entirely. I wouldn't put them in my in my three. Um, I don't. I think you're a little bit off about Vancouver. I don't think it's uh, that they're as far off. 
I think they're poorly run because of their uh, doofus of a general manager. He's accidentally made good moves. Um, but when you have players like Ericsson uh, and you, you can't sign a guy like uh, Tanev or you can't keep... Uh, I mean, they did get uh, Schmidt for almost nothing. So with the, that almost happened like just out of sheer luck. So they, they luck into a lot of really good players um, in, in a lot of ways similar to how Chicago has been lucky uh, for, for years and years and years where other teams just bail them out. Be like, hey, we want Andrew Ladd. Hey, we want Chris Versteeg. We'll give you a first-round pick for him. And then they end up walking away with like a, a Brendan Saad and they turn that into Artemi Panarin. So teams get lucky. I think Vancouver is a team that gets lucky and they also have a fairly decent drafting record. Um, no one thought that Elias Pettersson was going to be the player that he ended up being, but somehow the guys in Vancouver, again, either they got super lucky or they saw something that we didn't. I think their, uh, their, development team is a lot stronger than their pro scouting team or their their junior development scouts are way stronger than their pro development or their pro scouts uh because some of the trades they make are uh astonishing um but i think they are probably in the conversation um i'm not as big on what montreal did last year i thought them making the playoffs was a fluke Mm-hmm. because of Carey Price, and we went depth on that. Uh, but I think Edmonton, Toronto, and one of Calgary, Montreal, and Vancouver have the strongest chance. I, I don't like what Winnipeg did. Um, if they Maybe if they trade for uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, but that'll probably cost them line A. I don't know if that's worth it. Um I don't really like their defense, so I, I don't see much hope for them. Um, so if if you were your other two, if you were a sensible person, if you would say, would pick Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto, and Vancouver to be the four because Montreal, Ottawa, and Winnipeg aren't stable. See, we agree on most of that, except for. Uh, I don't see Montreal the same way that you do, and you don't see Vancouver the same way that I do. That is true. I, I agree that Calgary, uh, Calgary, and Toronto and Edmonton all should be in the conversation. Um, I'm just, and we both agree about Winnipeg. But, uh, I still disagree with you about Ottawa, but that's the obvious one. Um, <laughs> I think Winnipeg will finish last. If anything. If Ottawa doesn't make the playoffs, Ottawa will not finish last in the division. That's possible. I, I do really like what Ottawa has coming up, and they're going to be a huge pain in the ass in the next couple of years. I just think because of DJ Smith's discipline, he coached for the AHL. So he's dealing with uh, some veterans, but mostly youth, young players. He knows how to get stuff out of them. He knows how to use them, how to develop them. Yep, he's a guy that's trusted and respected in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a, a, an assistant coach under uh, Babcock, and he was he was like the player's coach. A lot yep. of reports came out when Babcock was fired and all that stuff happened with Mitch Marner, all of that came out, uh, was that 
DJ Smith was the player's coach. He was the one that they went to when they needed to talk to someone who was actually willing to listen. Uh, he knows how to coach young players really well. He's a, he has a lot of similarities with the least current coach who also coached in the AHL in the same system, uh, Sheldon Keith. Uh, they have a lot of similarities in how they approach their players, uh, but and they also know how to keep them accountable, which all of the young players on both of these teams, Ontario teams, they need to be held accountable for sure, especially early on. And that's one of the things that uh, I liked about what Toronto did, bringing in guys that would be like, like a player coach almost, right? Like a uh, Wayne Simmons. You're mm. not going to fuck around and make, uh, you know, make light of a, a, a moment in practice if Simmons is beside you taking everything seriously as, as you should. Or if Joe Thornton's looking you down, like you need to stop talking right now while the coach is talking. Like that's the kind of thing that uh, I think organizations will start to notice that they need more and more of those guys, even if they're not, you know, there's just a, a, a small fraction of what they used to be but they bring every other uh intangible aspect of the game to the locker room um is if there's going to be an outlier out of those four i mean out of those it's going to be three out of these seven right so i'm not i just i'm not sold on montreal and it's not just because it's Montreal. It's, I don't know. I said earlier that I like Max Domi. Josh Anderson could be a, a really solid replacement, but he also could be uh, the next Mike Van Ryan. Uh, you know, he could very well be just made out of glass. We don't know. Hopefully not, but. I mean, Carey Price could carry them again to the playoffs. Yeah. They also have Allen now, but. Yeah. I don't know. In a pipe dream where I'm coming from, Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, Ottawa make the playoffs. And I think that would just make the entire country just explode. Yeah, I think those. Because not only would Vancouver not make it, uh, (laughs) but they, they really should. Like, they're young enough that you can say okay it's it's another good year of development but they really should be making that jump of at least making the playoffs well there are definitely some teams that are like like in ottawa like if they don't make the playoffs it's a shortened year you get a lot of experience to those new guys the the young guys they get 56 games of experience uh they play in an all canadian division so they're staying in canada they don't get to play in front of fans, but they will definitely hear about it on social media and in the newspaper for 116 days. Plus the one, if they make the playoffs. So a team like an Ottawa or a Detroit or something, this is a, if all intents, a conditioning year or a prep year, if you will, I get, especially because it's, it's a shortened season. But I mean, if, if you are showing tremendous gain and like, there, there shouldn't be any tanking this year. There's there's not enough uh-huh. games to tank because if you go through a slide, um, you're essentially done, but you might not be. But you, you can't really tank because what are you tanking for? There's You won't be out of it until it's 
oh, look at that. There are two weeks left. Like, we can't tank now. Plus, who's tanking for players that they can't even watch play right now? Exactly. Who Who are we? <laughs> Going to be a lot of European picks, I think. Yeah, there's no, there's no um, phenom of the year this year, right? This is a, it's definitely a special year. Um, but it'll be interesting. I, all I'm, my main takeaway is that you're cheering for the Leafs in this division, which is okay. That's okay with me. Uh, I heard you say the Leafs are in your top four. Uh, ergo, you're cheering for the Leafs. Uh, I mean, I would be throwing away money to to say that they won't at least make the top four. Because if they don't, we will never hear the end of it. I will never hear the end of it. Holy shit. Uh, it's, it goes both ways. Uh, that that uh, It's, you know... The center revolves around Toronto. It's not just it's a media thing. It's a city thing. It's whatever. It's not true, you guys. It's just another city. Well, that's uh, our analysis of the NHL. Let us know what you think. Who is going to make the playoffs? Who's going to make it to the final four? Uh, we have 116 consecutive days of hockey coming up. Uh uh, I mean, that's going to take us to summer. So, uh, you know, we're, we're all set, I think, uh, for the next at least quarter of the year. And hopefully things will be better. Uh, and who knows, we may get a, a glimpse at potentially getting into a sporting event uh, with vaccines being more available. But Alvaro... Always a pleasure to have you. Thank you com- for coming on this episode and uh, happy hockey eve. Thank you. Happy hockey eve. And of course, as I always say, closing out, go Browns. I always say that. Always say that. Always. <laughs>